You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. You're listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on The Sports Objective. Join Coach C, the USA Strength and Conditioning Hall of Famer, every Monday night to see in a variety of guests, including former players, former and current coaches, pastors, and others will discuss relevant issues in coaching today's athlete with the goal of equipping the athlete and those coaching them with the physical, mental, and spiritual armor necessary to live their best life. Here's Coach Connors. Welcome to Absolute Empowerment. Uh, tonight we have Pastor Leonard Henry on the show. And uh, Pastor Henry has been on a few other times. And, of course, the Pirate Nation is very familiar with Pastor Henry because he's the second all-time leading rusher uh, in the history of East Carolina football. And so uh, we are so happy to have you on again, Leonard, because every time I see you, I have to smile because I feel like I'm getting closer to God just having you on the show. Hey, man, listen, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't put me up there. Do not put me up there by all means. But it is an honor, truly, and a privilege to be right here at Absolute Empowerment with Coach Connors. Every time I see you, Coach C, it tickles my soul because I know that things that you imparted in me as a young man is still in me today. I would not be as mentally, physically, and believe it or not, spiritually as tough as I am without men like you who pushed me. And as the show was coming on, I saw the uh, the picture with you with the whistle and it got me nervous because I'm like, man, I remember that dude looking so ready to blow that whistle with them 110s or those gassers. God almighty. So you might want to change that picture. That that puts fear in my heart, Coach. Gotcha, man. I'll consider it. We need a little change up probably. <laughs> to the show. Hey, that's uh, cool, man. So what I wanted to talk about, uh, as a primary topic tonight uh, is, you know, I had talked to you about a year ago, maybe a little bit more than that, about uh, the transition you were making with the, the ministry. And uh, you have put together a ministry called Kingdom Life Fellowship. And, you know, I'm, I really think that uh, it'd be great if we could hear a lot more about that, uh, where you're at right now, uh, the process in which you kind of came through the, to build this fellowship and to grow the fellowship. Uh, talking about some of the activities you've got coming up and also the future location. And uh, so, uh, you know, let's hear about your fellowship. It has been a journey. Um, it's been just a year. This upcoming weekend, we will be celebrating one year of existence. And to be honest, all I can say is God. I know we read the Bible, Sunday school, BBS. And we read about these stories, how God raised up a generation, how God raised up his people, how God added to so many people's lives. But to literally walk in it and see it with your own two eyes is amazing because we've only been in existence for just one solid year. And God truly has been in every corner, every aspect of this ministry. He brought the name to pass. He brought the logo to pass. I mean, everything that you see in Kingdom Life is created all by God. He's put a great supporting cast around me to help equip me to go out to reach the masses and the multitude of people right here in Sansom County. But not only in Sansom County, but even to step out over county lines, you know, wherever God sends us, I'm willing to go. 
Our location is right here in Clinton right now for the time being. The local school system has allowed us to um, use an auditorium, so we're grateful for that. We're there every Sunday. You can also go online um, to Facebook, Kingdom Life Fellowship Incorporated of Clinton, and you'll be able to find us there. But the future location, <coughs> excuse me, the future location will be still in Sansom County, but um, the Lord blessed us, um, put some favor in some people's heart to give us um, 37 acres of land. And so right now we're in the process of signing. Actually, this upcoming um, Saturday, we'll be having the owners of the land to come out and they're going to kind of hang out with us a little while to celebrate this one year monumental moment that we have. And I'm telling you, coach, if I had to put a word on this past year, it would be speed because God has accelerated so many of our desires, so many dreams, so many visions. There's things we've done in a year that takes most ministries three to five years to even see it come to pass. And we've seen it come to pass in just one solid year. I'm talking about an established full-fledged ministry, legit with IRS, if you know what I mean. We're legit with the state of North Carolina, paperwork. I mean, like absolutely everything, nonprofit. I mean, just, just everything. And so uh, we're truly excited to be a part of right here, this beautiful community, Sansom County, Clinton, um, just one of the ministries um, that's here just trying to make a difference in the lives of so many people. Well, similar to athletics, uh, do you have process goals in relationship to how you're going to build this ministry? Uh, we're going to build. We're going to build this ministry from the inside out. There's a lot of people that are hurting. Uh, you know, COVID is behind us now, but we got over COVID, and here we are, kind of in an economic storm. So we have decided um, that we just want to make church simple, and we want to give people Jesus, and whatever their needs may be when they come through those doors, we want to pray that Jesus can meet all of their needs. And we know that he can, but I believe what has happened is that the church has lost its, uh, has lost its flavor, kind of like salt. And that's what we are to be, the salt of the earth. And so people are not as attractive to church anymore uh, for whatever the reason, I don't know, but I pray that we are that church. They can feel relaxed. They can truly feel the presence of the Lord. They get what they want from Jesus and they will again be able to come back. So I think you mentioned to me that the uh, the future location is going to be in Dunn, North Carolina. Is that correct? Yes, we're going to be we're going to be right there at the county line. Um, we're still in Sansom County, but we're right there at Hornet County's line and Dunn on Highway 421. Um, so we're probably about I'd say 15 minutes from Dunn, and so therefore that's why we are kind of excited because uh, we know right here in Clinton, in Sansom County, that God has used us. But we know that the Lord is going to enlarge our territory. And so we are truly excited to be able to step across those county lines over there in Harnett County and try to fellowship uh, with other churches, fellowship with other pastors, fellowship with other believers, um, trying ourselves to unify because we know there's power in unity. And so that's that's the exciting part about this ministry. We're just not stuck in one location that we're trying to reach the masses and the multitude right here on the eastern part of North Carolina. Uh, when are your services during the week? We have a talk about it Tuesday. That is every Tuesday at seven o'clock. And in that talk about it Tuesday, that is your traditional quote unquote Bible study that many people are familiar with. But the way we made it is that we talk about some of the issues that we uh, that we are facing in this world. I mean, just this past Tuesday, I spoke about um, cleaning out your closet, you know, 
we want to put away those winter clothes, but but spring is right around the corner. So spring and winter, it seems like they're fighting against one another. So not only are we wanting to clean out the clothes, but there could be some things in your heart that you need to clean out. Yeah. And we're wanting God to fill us uh, with all these new things, but yet we've not gotten rid of the old things. And so we talked a little bit about that. Um, and our, our annual service, of course, our main service is at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Facebook, of course, and we're on YouTube as well. But every Sunday morning, but the fifth Sunday. So we are on every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. Well, I've been cleaning out my attic for about eight years. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I keep finding old boxes of strength programs and, uh, you know, Oh man! Ads and I don't know what all. So I'm, I'm <laughs> steady working on that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm. You know, I got a few skeletons in my closet too. I might throw out there. You know. But uh, hey, man. Hey, listen. All of those skeletons, all of that old stuff, it brings back a few memories. But all of that is under the blood. That yeah. is who Jeff Connors used to be. And now what God is doing in your life is totally a new thing. And so it's exciting um, to be able to just look back on those old things to see how far you've come. Yes, sir. Uh, so I want to go ahead because I've been last couple podcasts, we've been talking a little bit about mental health. You know, I uh -huh. had a couple sports psychologists on and uh, then uh, the last podcast was uh, Kevin Colbert, who was the general manager and vice president of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, uh -huh. He's with the Steelers for 22 years. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to get into that here in a few minutes. But uh, so I want to talk a little bit about, you know, I want to continue talking about mental health. Uh, and I want to definitely uh, distinguish between mental health and mental illness. So uh, I'm not really talking about mental illness. You know, that's, that's kind of a whole different deal. And, uh, you know, when we talk about athletes, of course, this is a huge topic right now is the mental health of athletes as well. So uh, I want to try to get into that a little bit. But the perspective that I want to take with you, Pastor, is uh, some of the resolutions that we might look to spiritually to improve and uh, maintain, you know, our mental health and uh where athletes are concerned, there's some specifics there uh, that are very much related to anxiety more than anything else. But when I think about this, I first think about having a positive, vibrant self-image. And when I was, uh, you know, I was in police work for a while, way back when, uh, down in South Florida. And, you know, when I started thinking about DNA and fingerprinting people, it kind of clicked that, you know what? There's nobody like you. There's never going to be another you. You have to understand how important you are in the eyes of God and how special you are, you know, in this world, whoever you are, never want to be somebody else, you know, find your purpose. And uh, so where that's concerned, particularly with self-image, uh, give us a few thoughts. Well, um, I'm so glad that you are bold enough, as you've always been. Um, you've never been one who walked by other people's um, horn. You've always been a, um, you're going to go a different direction. And to be able to sit here tonight and talk about a subject that many, even the church, is afraid to discuss, the mental 
help, not only of just athletes, but just overall. Yeah. I've always said this. You'll never conquer anything that you won't confront. And I think that is the biggest challenge right now. Nobody wants to admit we have a mental health issue. Now, we see all the other outward things. For an example, we know the shooting that just took place in Nashville. Everybody's talking about two things. And they rightfully so. They deserve a conversation. Obviously, the gun stuff, they deserve a conversation. The young ladies, transgender, that deserves a conversation. We, We all know that. But the real core issue is, because this is the root of it all, the mental part of this. And the the sad part is, Coach, people don't want to acknowledge the fact that there's some mental issues going on. Even us athletes, you got to understand how we're trained. We are wired different. You know, growing up, we know that if you got a weak mind, then you are going to be a weak athlete. So you train yourself to always be powerful, to always be strong, to put on this facade. But yet, just as soon as the lights are dim, then you go in your closet and you're weak and you're just crying out for help. And the problem that we have, many of us athletes, we are so afraid of asking for help because we look at it as a sign of weakness. And that's just the way we've been brought up. Our fathers taught us that. Their fathers taught them that. And to be honest, as good as it was at some point, but as you get older, you got to break that. You just got to be, I'm no less of a man if I admit that I'm weak right now. Going through something, I believe you're a stronger man than when you do that. There was a man in the Bible, in the the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. He had, we would look at him as being schizophrenic. One minute he is in the marketplace, calm. Then the next minute he is just running around, like just losing his mind. And it made people frightful and fearful. The Bible says that they would catch him and they would put chains on him to tie him down. But he would break the chain because he would just he was just mentally going at it and he would go and live up in the tombs in dead places. So we knew he had a mental issue. And and believe it or not, this system that they had, such as these chains, could not bind him. It couldn't hold him. And the Bible says that Jesus is coming. And when the man understands or when the man noticed that Jesus is coming, he runs to meet Jesus. In other words, he brings all of his mental issues to Christ because obviously man did not have a way. Man didn't have the answer. And and I believe what has happened is we are so afraid to bring everything to Jesus. We'll bring our children, we'll bring our sickness, but we won't bring our mental issues to him. And so I'm just really afraid that we're not man enough or woman enough or even athletic enough to admit we got some mental issues going on here and we need to deal with them. Yeah. Well, when you counsel with people, uh, what do you identify as causes of depression? I I look at their outward appearance because, you know, depressed, you really don't care how you look time, especially when I've known the individual to be a upbeat person. I look at their demeanor, their posture, and their their ways of going about things. And when I see their countenance change, I know something on the inside has changed. Because a lot of times we camouflage mental illness, mental, we, we camouflage depression. We can put on the makeup, we can put on the nice fancy suit, we can pretend we've become professional actors. 
smiling, laughing, socializing through pain because we don't want no one to know because we are afraid we have a certain image to uphold. We have an image to keep. And that's a scary thing. And it's a scary person to want to uphold that. What I try to do, I first of all pray because again, only God knows what this person is really dealing with. And God only knows the core as to why him or her is like they are. So I try to make sure that I become a listening sponge. I, I try to absorb. I don't do all the talking. I let them talk because I really don't have the answer for your issues. I can point you to the direction, but I, I try to be that person to listen to them because, hey, and as I'm listening, I'm listening for cues and I'm listening for some kind of connection of what happened, whether it be 20 years ago or what what transpired in their life a few months ago. Where did they kind of lose their zeal, lose their joy, lose their happiness, lose their peace? And coach, to be honest, that session, I may not respond right then because every word that comes out of my mouth, I know is critical. So I have to be very careful at how I respond so quickly, even though I know they're looking for a quick result. But I may say, well, listen, can we set up another session? So that gives me time to go back and pray and kind of dissect some of the things that they said. And I come back to that session and I, I may have a few thoughts and some, some scriptures and some things of what the Bible may say. But for the most part, once again, I'm, I'm becoming that listening ear. Because I've learned that most people that are depressed um, try to bundle it up and they just need somebody to listen to them and not really come back with, with, with answers, but to just listen to them, you know? Well, I think that uh, during the whole COVID deal, you know, as my own personal experience was uh, <clears throat> those close friends that I have became a very integral part of almost every day because, you know, uh, I, what I found was those relationships really meant more to me than I even knew uh, because I could pick up the phone and call two or three people who I've been close with all my life. And uh, we, we might have a discussion or just kind of kick things around for 30 minutes, an hour, whatever. And, and I found that to be, uh, uh, very uplifting, you know, during that time. So <clears throat> I don't know if you, if you experienced that where all of a sudden there was a, a few friends that you had that became, became very, very important on a daily basis. Uh, or if you, uh, of course, promoted relationships in, in your ministry uh, so that people had support. But uh, I really thought that friendships became extremely important. Well, kingdom, life, fellowship. Uh -huh. And I always tell the church, I say, listen, we can't just wear that name. We can't just say that's our church name. We have to literally do that part. And if you notice, kingdom, life, fellowship, the fellowship part is the last part, but that is the most important part. Because in order for you to have a kingdom, you must fellowship and you must have life. And I believe through the pandemic, we've kind of lost that because obviously we know we couldn't get together face to face. Most of our conversations were through phone, text, obviously Zoom and through ways like this. So we lost that. And a lot of people suffered through their personal relationships. And I believe now, coach. I believe now that's why many people 
are depressed because it's like I've come out of this seclusion and I don't know how to get back in my normal because many people were pulled out of their normal and they don't yeah. know how it's like a fish out of water. He stays out of water so long you put him back. He wants to go on back to what he used to do, but he really don't know which direction to go. And right. so I try to make sure to tell the church that that fellowship part is the most important part that we as a ministry will be able to have because it's a way that we can connect with people right where they are and we connect with them and prayerfully we can build a relationship. And from that relationship, we can maybe possibly lead them closer to God. Right. But it all started with the fellowship. It all started with a general conversation. It all started with a liking of a particular team or liking of a sport or liking of something. And from that, it just grew. Um, and that's the missing piece that a lot of churches overlook that fellowship part. Yeah, I kind of made it a point to let as many people know as I could. Like, if you if you need a friend, I'll be your friend. So you might not want to be my friend. I don't know. But if you need a friend, I'll be your friend. So uh, yeah. and I think that's important. That's a trait. That's a trait that Jesus had that um, he was a friend to the friendliest people. And um, that's something you and for you to um, express that and say that's the kind of man that you are. That's a great trait to have. Now, it's not the most popular because many would say, why are you being friends with them? Why are you hanging with them? Why are you going out of your way to make him or her feel happy? And that's what Jesus literally did in so many people's lives. And that's why they didn't like him, because he went out of, out of his way to make people feel friendly. Well, you know, part of that, too, is having gone through, you know, over three decades of coaching and then, you know, you, you kind of you get this experience where, you know, you got all kinds of friends if you're winning. And then if you're losing, you know, those those same people don't they may not want to be your friend anymore. You know, so I mean, like uh, a, a true friendship um, that just that whole concept became very important to me. You know, so uh, I think relationships are a big part of and a weapon um, to combat mental health issues. So, you know, what I wrote down was a positive, vibrant self-image relationships. And then the other thing was uh, uh, that kind of stands out for me is having a sense of purpose and satisfaction in your career. And, you know, I, I don't know how many people um, come to you with those issues at times, but, you know, I, I grew up in a blue collar area. Uh, I also I also actually raised tobacco in Tennessee one year, which was uh, I learned a little bit from that, too. You know, that was not a real pleasant experience. But, you know, working in a coal mine, you know, I did not work in the coal mine. My grandfathers were in there for you know a total of 100 years. All my friends that I went to high school with, a lot of them went to coal mine. Uh, you know, Western PA, West Virginia, and then uh, the steel mill. I worked in the steel mill every summer when I was in college. But these are not extremely pleasant jobs. And so, you know, when you when you grow up blue collar, I think it's even more important that you have a relationship in the church because, you know, church and family becomes that much more important because you may not get that much satisfaction out of your job. So, uh, it's very important to have those other things in your life so you can maintain a good level of uh, 
of mental health. And then as a man, I think you need to lead that. You need to lead your family. I think that's important. Um, and I think it's biblical. It is. Yeah. It truly is. Yeah. So do you have uh, retreats or counsel or whatever when it comes to marriage, uh, marriage issues and people who are, are thinking about getting married? Do they counsel with you? And uh, Tell me a little bit about that. Well, what I try to do with the those who are um, possibly wanting to get married, we sit down and we have we have three we try to have three conversations, and I don't like to call them sessions. I just say conversations. Yeah. And my role is to because you know how it is sometimes when you're engaged or when you're dating, there's a lot of fantasies that are going on um, in reference to how you want this marriage to be, and you're excited. So I try to sit down and have a conversation with um, the couple and I throw out three things. And these are the three things that it's like school. When we were in school, everybody desired to make an A, B, C, possibly D. No one wanted to make an F. No one wanted to fail. I don't think no marriage set out to fail. Right. But there are some areas in the marriage that if you don't first and foremost communicate about number one, number two, Kind of have a plan, a game plan, and really try to see those things through. If you do not do these three things, your marriage is doomed to fail. And the first one I talk about, Coach, is faith. Yeah. Somehow, some way, both male and female who are thinking about getting married, they must be on the same level of faith. That doesn't mean that that when I say same level of faith, meaning they must prayerfully have a notion that we both need God personally. And we need God in this marriage, you know, uh, whether he goes to her church or whether she goes to his church. And I like your pastor. I love your couple's ministry, whatever the case may be. There must be a conversation about church where you both stand because you will not make it. You will not make it 30 days without this. So you're starting your marriage off with faith. And the second thing is you must also I'll take heed to, if not, you will fail, is finances. There has to be some form of conversation because we know money can easily ruin a marriage. When it comes to um, one, one partner is spending too much money while the other one is not even knowing, and you have all kinds of things just bottled up in that. If there's no form of communication, no form of plan, then you're doomed to fail. And the third thing I talk about is family. You must let your family know they must have boundaries. You can't parents when things go wrong. I can't always run to my parents when things go wrong. We must set boundaries for our family. If you don't do that, your marriage is doomed to fail. So I sit down with couples and we talk about those three F's and it blows their mind because coach, I don't even get to the second one sometimes. When I talk about faith, and how important it needs to be in both of your lives, they look at one another like, whoa. And then if I do make it to the second one, I talk about finances. And then they say, well, should we uh, should we both have one account? I said, that's y'all. Y'all got to work that out. It's not up to me. I'm just here to put it on the table. Maybe you hadn't thought about this. And most of the time, the couples have not thought about that. So I sit down and talk with them on that. We also have a couple's ministry our church last saturday we went over to a uh, married couple's house and what we do we cook dinner 
that couple, whoever hosted it, we do it every three months, whoever hosts the marriage uh, uh, meeting, we cook. After they get done cooking, we have a some games and the games will involve married couples. And then we have that heart to heart session, areas of our marriage where we may have went wrong early, but we're better now so that we can share it with one another. And we kind of break bread and we remaining. Remember, we're still doing that fellowship part. So it has really brought in couples. Uh, we got older couples there. We got a couple that's been married 50 plus years. So we know they got a lot to tell us. So that has really been a major um, ministry in our church that has really made an impact in all of our marriage. Because we know that marriage, that institution of marriage between man and woman right now is heavily under attack. And it's important that we get back to the biblical principles of that. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. And uh, not a whole lot of people talk about the fact that there's a spiritual warfare out there going on. Yes. And, yes. Uh, that's that's yes. why I started my website, you know, armoredlife.org, because uh, at some point you got to learn how to put on the armor of God. Uh, and I th- I think where mental health is concerned, that, that you know that's well, another thing. Well, if the devil if the devil can get your mind and twist your mind, coach, and twist the the basics of you, meaning uh, kind of like this young girl. That was down in um, in Nashville. Yeah. Um, her parents were very spiritual. They went to church. So she knew God. She understood some things about God. But somewhere, and I don't know, somewhere in her upbringing, I don't know, something altered. Where obviously she felt like she was a man, obviously, because she did identify herself as um, as a man and things of that sort. And her parents rejected that, of course. But again, that mental health, that, that war... Is taking place in the mind and um, what people are afraid to really say what it really is, is that Satan is influencing the minds of many people um, to do things like this. Because if you watch the video, this girl walked in there as if she owned this Christian school. What would possess a person to walk into a building knowing that they will possibly not come out like there was no fear in her when she walked into that building? What would take hold of a person's mind? Because you were not born like that. Something had to get in in, in control of your mind to have you to think like that. Absolutely. Well, let's get into a little bit of discussion about athletes uh, and and mental health. Uh, You know, the two, two things that are identified as far as impacting an athlete's mental health would be low self-esteem and uh, sensation seeking. And mm-hmm. so it's wow. more like more like forms of anxiety with athletes. And, you know, it's kind of like what you said. I mean, I know when I was growing up, it's like, Hey, you, you can't have anxiety. I mean, that nah, is, it's tough. You got to get tough or get gone. And um, this might not be for you. you yeah, know? that's so right. That's, that's how I grew up. We're going to have three-day practices. If you can't handle it, you see where the, where the roadway is. I mean, you know, so. Uh, but with regard to low self-esteem, um, 
I'm thinking about, I, you know, I always think about playing time because I counseled with a lot of people who were unhappy because they weren't getting playing time. That's always an issue. Yes. Um, you know, the patience of working into the, a division one lineup is not exactly easy for everyone. And, uh, you got to work hard and you got to be patient. And then, of course, sensation seeking. I mean, that that could be, you know, one, of course, wanting to get on the field and play in a game. That's a sensation. And, but at the same mm-hmm. time, there's a lot of other ways that people seek sensation while they're in their, you know, they're through their collegiate career. So, uh, but, you know, because of these two factors, you've got depression, anxiety, you've got social anxiety and, and sometimes even negative physical symptoms. But uh so, you know, what are your thoughts there in relationship to your experience as an athlete? Maybe some of the observations you had with teammates and maybe a little bit about how you view things currently in athletics and, you know, have things changed somehow where we have to deal with things a little differently? Well, I feel this society has now um, become the kind of society where there's just so much um, – you don't even have a first place trophy now. You know, when obviously when I was growing up and you as you as well, coach, um, it, it was either first, you know, you didn't want to be second, you don't want to be third. And if you were second and third, you didn't accept nothing. You was like, nah, it's first or nothing. Whereas now they give trophies to everybody. You know, everybody they want everybody to get and, and I, I see one side of it because they're trying to obviously help the emotional part. Um, of the person, of the athlete. But that's just where you've got to understand that maybe this sport just may not be for you. And you shouldn't get rewarded. This is just me. You shouldn't get rewarded if it's not for you because maybe you're better at another sport or maybe you're gifted over here and that's okay. Find your gift. And that's the problem that many parents are having right now. They're forcing, I think, a lot of their children um, to play sports that they may have played and so the kid just may not be gifted like that and athletes nowadays are just seeking that light they're seeking that fame uh we have the nil that's out now which you know involves money um the total spectrum of athletics have changed um in so many ways now that uh if if i don't got if i don't get a better NIL deal than you then i'm mad and upset at you and that's possibly that i put myself in the portal and I leave the school, never mind the coaches and everybody coming to my house and working with me and, and seeding me through the SAT and the ACT and just being there, investing all this time. And after one year of not playing, I get mad and I leave. Right. So um, athletics have changed drastically now. Um, we could see how it was leading or, or was pointing in that direction, but I would have never thought it would overtake just those moments where you just got your pure raw athletes that are just out there working hard, blue collared, not worried about the name that's on the back of the jersey. They're more concerned about the name that's on the front, which is the team. Um, It's hard to find. It's hard to find team anymore. I remember us at East Carolina wearing the shirts. You may have had some input on the creation. Big team, little me. Yeah. Oh, man, I love that shirt. I still have several of my shirts to this day that I wear. That's totally opposite now. It's more like big me, little team. Right. You know? Um, yeah. And so because of that, it has brought forth the low self-esteem. I mean, you're talking about 
even in the professional athletes, their their low their self esteem is not as high as you would think. Which shows you that money can't money can't buy you everything. I mean, right. you got some professional athletes right now that are just, <laughs> and this is just me in my thinking. Uh, looking at Aaron Rodgers, man, he is just like to me, just as good as he is, and Lord knows he's a great quarterback. But it's like Aaron is just having a little pity for it because he can't get his way. Um. <laughs> So it's just, you know, and, and look at totally opposite. You have Tom Brady who says, I'll take what, what I got. I'll take what I have and I'll make it work. Yeah. You know, I, I don't have to call out this receiver, that receiver. If you want to come with me, it's cool. I'll take two fish and five loaves of bread and make it work. Yeah. Well, the other thing I wanted to mention with regard to athletics and athletics uh, uh, in relationship to forms of anxiety is, the extremes of the athletic identity. So it can be too much, you know, where your whole life is your athletic identity and it can be too little, of course, yeah. you know? So I think that's kind of where we see the issues as well on each extreme. And I, I think it's uh, interesting to note that, you know, Unresolved depression has contributed to, in regard to research, 35% loss of productivity in the workforce. Uh, so, and I don't know where that study was done, but you could probably say the same thing for athletics. Um, you know, when you don't have the right attitude in relationship to practice and going into a game, or if you get, you lose a couple games and you got a couple locker room lawyers, um, who feel a certain way and they're trying to take everybody else in that direction. You know, you know, those, those are things that I think can contribute to the downfall of a program. Yes. Um, so going back when you, uh, when you played, do you remember any incidences or, uh, you know, where you saw this anxiety uh, come to the forefront? I mean, I can't remember a whole lot of this, you know, I, I, but, uh, you know, may, maybe you can make reference to something that you experienced. I don't know. Well, I can't remember myself, coach, because all of us were built different. Not that we were better. We were yeah. just built different. Yeah. And everything stemmed from our upbringing, you know, from our parents, from the blue collars, working in the fields doing whatever summer jobs you were doing, um, you know, from your high school days. Uh, we were just built mentally different. And if by chance anxiety tried to come upon us, we had a team of people around us like you and just our teammates. We would build one another up. Um, I mean, there was guys who didn't get a lot of playing time on Saturdays. But man, um, and this is one thing I loved about you. You made the walk-ons feel like he was a scholarship player, man. I mean, I'll never forget Flea. And, and Flea was a hardworking young man. Flea did not have, you know, he was, a, he was little, obviously, in statue. But man, that guy worked so hard. And you made him feel as if he was the number one pick. For Coach Logan, I mean, you you made guys feel like they are a part of the team, and even though they were not even on scholarship, and right. it's stuff like that that made you special, obviously, and it's things like that that 
that brought those guys, if they were thinking about low self-esteem, if they were thinking about that they were not good enough, you made them feel like they were. Because you, you, you highlighted their, their weightlifting um, numbers. You, you, you built them up. So even though they didn't play on Saturday, their game was, was Monday through Friday with Coach Connors at practice, um, you know, just doing those little things like that. And that gave them life. And so, therefore, they didn't go back to their room. They didn't go back to their apartment. And they didn't sit there and beat themselves in the head and said, I'm not good enough. I, I don't have what it takes, you know. And, and that, was a, that was a contribution from you that you gave to all of us. And you might get know it at the time, but looking back at it, that's why we didn't have those with low self-esteem and low anxieties and depression and things of that sort, because you had that. And then you had a great staff around you, um, Jim Ball. Think about how wild Jim Ball, Jim Ball was. Um, Jim Ball you made it. Yes, sir. Jim Ball. That was your dude, man. That dude there was was beast, man, for real. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, Flea, uh, Flea and Jerome. You know, yes, and Jerome. Yes. So you saw Rome, you saw Flea, and vice yep. versa. And yes. Those guys were both strong in the Lord, man. Yes, yes. Day. I mean, every yes. day, and they did not change. Yes, that's right. And, uh, they're, they're, you know, of course, Flea became a Marine. Yes, yes. And then he, then he was like an actor or something. He was in some movie. I don't, I don't know where all that went. Wow. But uh, and Jerome trains people here and also works at the hospital. And uh, I had to go in for a surgery. And uh, Jerome was part of the uh, the team that was doing my surgery. Wow! <laughs> and uncovered my face. He's like, "Yo, man, that's my coach." So <laughs> I was, I was glad to have him in there. And uh, you know, of course, he came to see me in my hospital room afterwards. So it was, uh -huh. yeah, some. You know, guys like that, you never forget because uh, they were the same every single day. And yeah. uh, they really appreciated and, and valued their role. And uh, the fact that they were part of that football by fraternity, you know, and they paid the price. Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, you can find, you know, some, you know, some satisfaction, of course, in that as well. You know, that's part yeah. of course is being part yes. of the team you know mm -hmm. so uh love to see more of that these days and, so, and also and also coach you created a competitive atmosphere yeah. and the coaches at ecu so that's that's what made it that's what made it good for us that that every man was competing and nothing was handed to him he had to earn it every day Absolutely. Yeah, I just went up to Ohio State for their strength clinic because I've been knowing Mickey uh, for a long time, the strength coach up there and a great guy. And, you know, he's had a great career. And, uh, you know, everything that he does in the, their program is competitive. And I kind of got some of that from Mickey a long time ago. And, uh, you know, he's had a ton of success with that. I think he just signed a three-year deal again for about 900 grand a year. So not too mm. bad. That's right. That's right. That's good. It's a blessing. That's a bless. That's a blessing, man. Yeah. That's a blessing. So I I talked. I had Kevin Colbert on. You know the uh, Steelers uh, general manager and vice president uh, with the Steelers twenty two years. Uh, you know, and one of the reasons that I wanted to have him on, of course, you know, I'm from Pittsburgh, so it was another reason was special to me. But uh, 
he started a program since he's retired called Lend a Hand. And so about once a month, he's got uh, a topic area. The last topic area that he had was uh, how to set up wills and trusts. And so, you know, some of these guys have been out of league for five, six years, whatever. You know, they they come to find out they have a hard time even getting a doctor's appointment sometimes because everybody forgot their name. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, sometimes they have problems with hanging on to their money. And so I thought it was really yeah. interesting that, uh, that he set up this lend a hand and he's got about 30 or 40 Steelers. You know, of course, everybody's welcome to get on that Zoom call. And he starts it off and then he'll have someone do, do, do a presentation. And then he kind of gets off the call and lets those guys interact with each other. And, you know, talk about some of the issues they might have, reconnect, pray for each other, whatever. Uh, but, you know, this is something that I have an interest in because I've been trying to kind of define my mission anyway with this. And so with our Armored Life team and anybody else out there who wants to maybe uh, talk to two or three other people to possibly get in on this call, you know, I'm, I'm willing to set it up once a month, once every five weeks, whatever. And, uh, you know, maybe see if this is something we could do. You don't necessarily have to be an East Carolina Pirate either. I mean, you can you can be a former player, you know, in, in whatever program, someone who uh, needs some support, needs some information, whatever. But uh, that's kind of what I've been thinking about. So I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts there. Well, you remember the story of uh, Jesus, uh, Peter in the boat with the disciples and Jesus come walking on the water. Yeah. And Peter was the only bold one to step out of the boat. And as he stepped out of the boat, obviously, Jesus told him to come. And so he took Jesus at his word. And obviously, we know that when Peter began to look to the left and the right, looking at the wind, he literally fell down. And he yeah. began to sink. And the Bible says that Jesus reached out, reached down and picked him up. Right. And coach, I'm going to tell you something. Anytime you look down on a man, you should be looking down to reach down to pick him up. You should never look down on anybody unless you're reaching down to pick him up. And that's a prime example because Peter wanted to stay afloat. Nobody wants to fall. Nobody wants to lose all their money. Nobody wants to make bad financial decisions. These guys don't want to be in the situations that they're in. But nobody has never taught them. Think about it. If you, if you get a million dollars in your hand, and nobody in your neighborhood, nobody around you has ever had that much money. You don't know what to do. Yeah. And people would sit up here and say, well, how could you spend that much money in that short amount of time? They didn't want to spend that much money in that short amount of time. They did not want to lose that. But nobody showed them the way. And we all know you got those leechers. You got those people who just leech on, latch on, and just pull on the next thing you know. He's broke in two years off of a $30 million deal and, and many people will say, how can you spend that much money easily? Nobody told them anything. And the problem that we have in the church, the problem that we sometimes have in society, man, we don't want to reach down and pick people up. And listen, when Jesus picked them up, he didn't condemn him. Yeah. Jesus didn't say, Peter, why didn't you why didn't you keep your eyes upon me? He didn't even go there. He picked them back up and put them back in the boat. So if we're going to do this, if we're going to help people, Please don't don't bring up my story. 
trust me, I, I hear it in my mind enough. And when you bring it to me, when you tell me that, that's when I have the mental lapse. That's when I have the breakdown because you, I'm already fighting me against me. And now you adding gasoline to the fire that's already in my mind. And that's where I really beat myself down because to be honest, that's the real issue. It's you against yourself, you know? Right. And so that's a great, great ministry. Um, I'll be willing to help in any capacity that you would like um, in this area, just trying to build men up, build us, build us up, build me up, lift me up, um, point in that direction. I want to get back in society. I want to be able to make the right financial decisions this time, but I don't know. Um, the Bible says, if any man, um, if any man lack knowledge, let him ask. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask. And so, so well, many people are asking for wisdom and we got to give it to them. Now, one of the points that Kevin made is, you know, the, even not necessarily if they're having any, if they're troubled in any way, you know, the, you know, when the lights go out, it's tough. You know, you, you miss the locker room. You That's right. The, That's right, coach. And just this, this, that in itself, being able to reconnect with some folks that maybe you haven't spoken to for a while, and then maybe find out there's a way yes. that you can bless them or help them, you know, your former teammates, yes. uh, to yes. just, uh, you know, reconnect that locker room. And maybe even the name of this could have something to do with the locker room. I don't really know. Yes. Kind of throwing stuff out there. And I, and I love the fact, you know, that Kevin gave me some ideas. But, uh, you know, it's kind of a matter of, of you know, I, I like the, the concept of taking care of your own as well. You know, the, yeah. these guys that all that came through the program and paid the price for for four years, you know, I mean, they deserve support if they're having any yes. kind of issues. That's right. And, That's right. Um, and they deserve friendship. Yes. And, yes. And, really, and positive relationships. So, uh I'm all about helping out and uh, I'm going to keep talking about this and seeing where we can go with it. And I might go ahead and schedule someone to, uh, to speak on a certain topic and uh, see if we can get some people on that first zoom call and then kind of grow from there. And, you know, I, I don't want to take up a whole lot of time from people, but, you know, if we're talking about once a month, once every five, six weeks, whatever. I think that that's, that's something that could, that could, uh, become a reality. That's right. I like that coach back in the locker room. I love that. I love that locker room talk. That's what it could be. Lock locker room talk. Um, yeah. cause that's what we used to do. Sit in a locker room and talk, you know? And, and I think it was interesting that Kevin, you know, he, he got off the call cause you know, Hey, coach is leaving the locker room. Now it's, it's you guys talking. You know, I'm, I'm going to yeah, start yeah, this yeah. thing. Now it's on you, you know, where you want to take this thing. So, uh, now, I'd love to try the same concept and uh, kind of take it from there. And, uh, you know, those are kind of the primary things that I wanted to talk about tonight. we, we got a few more minutes here. Uh, I did want to mention, too, that for, uh, there are some, uh, I guess you could say there's some help out there. There's an organization called Athletes Against Anxiety and Depression Foundation, uh, the AAAD. So I'll mention that uh, athletes for hope. Uh, that's another one. And it's uh, connected to charities. 
And then uh, with professional athletes, they have a few uh, a few organizations, Athlete 365, uh, Athletes for Care, and then uh, the NFL Lifeline. Uh, so I'll, I'll just mention those. Uh, so there's been a whole lot of people out there thinking about this and talking about this issue. And, uh, of course, where the physical part of it's concerned, you know, with the, the whole deal with concussions, Kevin and I talked a lot about that as well. Um, but anyway, hey, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, appreciate you, Coach. Anytime, I man. To, uh, I can't wait to get uh, down there to your ministry and experience it myself. And uh, I keep trying to get down there, but it's tough. A tough drive on a Sunday sometimes, but uh, but I promise you that I'm going to get there. You probably won't know when I'm coming. Hey man, you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. And look, I want you to come just as you are. Yeah. I guarantee I, you. Listen, you come just as you are, but you will not leave the way you came. And I only say that in Jesus' name. You will not leave the way you came because I believe the power of God is in that place. I'm not just saying it because I'm the pastor. The power of God is in that place to change, to bring forth healing, to bring forth deliverance. Whatever you may need in God, He's right there. Well, lastly, I, you know, I, I will uh, ask you to uh, kind of hold this in prayer. Uh, this, yes. this idea. Um, if you got, if you have any other uh, ideas with regard to this possibility, you know. Uh, Give me a call and let me know, and I'm going to keep working on it, and we're going to go from there. But uh, we'll try to maybe get into that old pirate locker room. Yeah. Try to reestablish some relationships and help some That'll be good. That'll be good, Coach. I'll be glad, man, to help whatever way I can. Um, it's so important that we connect. Um, I've had to do two unexpected funerals this year already yeah. of family members, and so it has put a sense of urgency in me to make sure that I'm connecting with my family and we are family um, even more um, than what we do, you know? So it's important to do that because, Hey, 2023, we've already um, seen a lot of things that have made us say, Hey man, it's time for me to tighten up. If there's any loose parts of my life, I need to tighten up right now. So, um, but I've enjoyed it. Well, thank you so much. And, uh, I'm going to go ahead and sign off now. I'll be talking to you real soon. Gotcha. Thanks a lot again. And yes, Connor signing off. And uh, God bless. And we'll see you next week. Thanks a lot. God bless. You've been listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on the Sports Objective. Join us every Monday night for a new edition of the show. Listen to the show pretty much everywhere podcasts are found. Be sure to follow us on social media at the Sports OBJ on Twitter and TikTok at the Sports Objective on Instagram. Like and follow our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. As always, we appreciate you listening to the show. And go Pirates!